there's no doubt that the old politics of the two-party system is now gone and over. I don't need lectures from you or anybody on, on the Sinn Féin side of the house. We're very reluctant to kind of say what's red lines, but, but we do have to take climate seriously. There's going to be constant criticism, there's going to be a lot of disappointment, and whoever goes into government is going to be unpopular. Okay. Hello, you're very welcome again to Your Politics, the weekly podcast from the RTE Politics team here in Leinster House. Juliet Gash and Tommy Meskell are with me on your lawler today, and... It's been a quiet week here in Kildare Street. Um, obviously, the earth is in recess and we've had that big uh, trade mission going on in Asia. We'll talk all more about that in a moment. But let's kick off with the story that's just dominated the news here and right around the world uh, since October the 7th. And at the moment, we're watching um, the IDF has been moving into Gaza throughout the past week. We've seen Jabalia refugee camps struck twice. Israel saying they took out a Hamas leader. Hamas saying that there were hundreds of casualties as well. Uh, we've seen a trickle of aid begin to get across the border, into fr- across that Rafa crossing uh, into Gaza. We've seen some few hundred people and some of the injured begin to come out. Uh, but we also see the hospitals crumbling, the scenes we all see on our phone. And again, there's a lot of misinformation, and but it, the verified information is heart scalding. And it's still, you know, a huge story in our politics, isn't it, Tommy? And the Tanishta this week, um, he made, he came out with a particular statement, didn't he? It followed the, that strike on the refugee camp uh, and we saw those images and yeah. the crater that it created. Uh, and Miguel Martin, yeah, issued a statement pretty much saying this has to stop. And actually today, the Taoiseach, Leo Varadkar, was also speaking uh, to our colleague Bernard Donovan uh, in South Korea and made a, a similar uh, statement as well. This has to stop. Uh, and also saying that he's he's seriously concerned, actually, about where this is headed. The death toll now, I think, is over 9,000. Many of them are children. Uh, and as you say, aid is getting in. But they're saying, too, that it's a, a drop in the ocean mm-hmm. in comparison to what is actually required. And of course, huge concern between 35 and 40, I don't know the exact number, but huge concern for the Irish passport holders trapped in Gaza. What have we learned? What have we been hearing this week? So some people got to move through yesterday. More people will move through today. But I don't believe there's any Irish on that list at the moment. I think over the next uh, two weeks, though, they are hoping to move around 7,000 people through that crossing. The hope would be uh, that I think around 35 Irish citizens will be among those uh, that do get through. Uh, Today, though, we are hearing reports um, around uh, that there could be an Irish person being held hostage in Hamas. Uh, This came from... uh, an Iran news agency, state media in Iran. They were reporting on a phone conversation that the Tonishta and Foreign Affairs Minister Michal Martin had with his Iranian counterpart. And during that conversation, he requested Iran's help in getting an Irish citizen out, released, who is apparently being held uh, hostage by Iran, or excuse me, by Hamas. Now, the Department of Foreign Affairs here for its part is, is not confirming or denying it. It's saying it cannot... Uh, comment on individual cases uh, but the Taoiseach as well was asked about it today uh, and he was saying he was aware that a phone call happened between Michal Martin and his counterpart but he wasn't br- briefed on whether uh, they spoke about a hostage situation so at this present time it's a kind of wait and yeah. see situation. 
And it's obviously very delicate. And, you know, there have been reports, Juliet, in, in the media, you know, various parties involved in behind the scenes mm. diplomacy. But the difficulty, and we have the United States President Biden now mm. uh, calling for um, a humanitarian pause. Mm. But the difficulty is that the military action, Israel as well, confirming another 16 members mm -hmm. of the IDF uh, killed in fighting. The difficulty is that the violence of the imagery that we're seeing, it's inflaming passions on mm. all sides. And this is where the fear of escalation comes from. I, I know it's very, it's very, very difficult to watch. Um, and the numbers are so staggering. And it's such a, a, a tight piece of land, you know, two yeah. million people in such a tiny area. Um, and, you know, the IDF and, and the Israeli side will continuously, sorry, the Israeli Defence Forces will continuously say that they're not targeting civilians. But when you're landing missiles and, and bombs on such a, a tightly packed area, it's impossible that civilians yeah. aren't getting hit. And they are. We know there are thousands of children. I think they're saying this is the, the biggest number of children ever killed in conflict. I mean, that's just so horrifying. Um, and and the, the stories that are coming out of what doctors are having to do to save lives are just uh, medieval, really. Uh, and it's it's just it, it's just desperate. I, 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 it is a relief, I suppose, that that Irish politicians are so uh, speaking with one voice in that this has to stop. And and they are they for for a long time, the Irish voice was not the lone voice, but was very much in the minority. It's a relief also yeah. to hear Biden calling for a pause. Um, but whether that will be listened to at all is, is another matter entirely. Yes, and I mean, obviously, in the fog of war, you know, nobody knows exactly what the situation is, but there are really brave reporters and mm. uh, who've been reporting for strong, reputable news outlets there as well. Yeah. And the imagery that we have seen from them and from their reports um, is is confounding enough, whatever mm. about, you know, the propaganda claims mm. uh, from either side. It's certainly a terrible Unfolding event. And as you say, Tommy, we can only hope that that work on the diplomacy behind the scenes uh, pays off for all those who are trapped in those situations. But equally, as the United Nations will point out, what about, you know, the two million people who have do not have foreign passports uh, and all of that? So we can expect to hear uh, more about that in the weeks ahead. The other big story at home, while the earth hasn't been been sitting, has been the fact that the weather and the fact that this autumn, We've had all of autumn's normal rainfall in two months and there's still one month to go. And we've seen terrible scenes in the south and southeast and in, you know, Louth and Uri. Uh, and you can really hear the despair. So politicians, you know, they're saying they're going to react to all of this. And tell us about this incorporeal uh, cabinet meeting. It means they're basically not all in the same room. Yes. Yeah. Because we know they're in South Korea. Several members of the cabinet are in South Korea, uh, led by the Taoiseach. They're there on a trade mission. Uh, but as you said, uh, events here at home, we have seen a significant flooding uh, in Louth and Wexford. But of course, only two or three weeks ago, we saw significant flooding in Middleton and Cork. And we remember when that happened, the government decided to extend uh, or to create two schemes, compensation schemes for businesses and, and community organisations affected by the flooding. Uh, and this uh, compensation scheme would give different amounts to mo of money to businesses depending on how badly affected they were. Uh, and today there was, as you say, an incorporeal cabinet meeting to decide on whether to extend those schemes. Uh, and, and they did. The, the, they rang around the different ministers to sign off on this. It was a memo brought forward by the Enterprise Minister, 
Simon Coveney. So basically, you have two schemes now. One can offer, offer compensation of up to 20,000. There's a quick payment of 5,000, but further audited payment of up to 20,000. And then another for businesses uh, worst impacted, there's a quick payment of 10,000 euro, but then potentially a further audited payment uh, of 100,000 euro. And that has been extended now to the 5th of November. So it's not area specific, it, it's time specific, if you like. It's any part of the country that has been yeah. impacted, cool. they can apply for the funding if they were impacted within a certain uh, time frame. And there'll be a lot of people in the south and southeast and along the east coast who feel they were lucky that we dodged a bullet, it seems, on Storm Ciaran. Yeah, seems to have just skirted Ireland, yeah. so it could have been worse. The, this scheme that they extended, though, allowed for potential flooding uh, and damage over the coming days. So so they did that with that in mind, that potentially Kieran could have been worse than, yeah. than it actually was. And speaking of, you know, compensation, talk to me, Juliet, about um, the evolving politics of the compensation package or, or, or the relief package available to Ukrainian refugees coming to Ireland. And of course, we know there was this big row at Cabinet yeah. a few weeks ago a when Roderick O'Gorman... A robust discussion, sorry. <laughs> I wasn't there. Obviously, I don't know. And apparently the media have been exaggerating exactly. it all. So I correct myself on that one, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but there certainly was some disagreement. Talk to me about... And there's been some discussion ongoing since, hasn't there? Absolutely. I suppose the the row or the robust discussion um, at the previous cabinet meeting had been between Roderick O'Gorman, Minister for Integration, uh, and the Thonish to Micheál Martin because it was this proposal that they were going to reduce the amount of time Ukrainians, new arrivals, were going to get in state-paid accommodation to 90 days and also examine the whole offering to Ukrainians in terms of social welfare because it was noted that more Ukrainians were coming from other European countries and perhaps perhaps um, aware of the fact that the benefits package on offer in Ireland was higher than in other European countries. So then the the, the argument or the divisions uh, moved to Heather Humphreys, the Minister for Social Protection, and Helen McEntee, um, who it was pointed out that her department was responsible for the temporary protect, protection um, side of things, which is how Ukrainians come to Ireland. But then Leo Varadkar seems to have backed Helen McEntee on this and said, no, it is within Heather Humphreys' department. Um, interestingly, John... But he is also emphasising, isn't he, that... Um, you know, both ministers are working together exactly. and they'd be bringing a memo, memo to Cabinet along yes. with Roderick O'Gorman. So, exactly. Because this has often been the, the criticism on the refugee <clears> thing, <throat> isn't it? That, you know, minister like a Roderick O'Gorman getting left to deal with it on their own. Exactly. And, the, and then they didn't want to push it onto Dara O'Brien's side. And then was this becoming a Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil issue or now is it the Greens issue? So it's, it's as we I think we mentioned before, a very much a political hot potato. I think John Lee had the lovely quote in the Irish Daily Mail that uh, nobody wants be, to be the one to shoot Bambi. But in all seriousness, this is an area that does have to be looked at. Uh, it's costing an awful lot um, and they're running out of spaces. Um, I spoke to a number of Ukrainian refugees uh, here, some who have been here from the start. One, one woman, Helena Kovalchuk, if I have her surname right, um, was telling me that she arrived in March, um, you know, in three weeks after Russia invaded Ukraine. And she was saying that at the beginning, of course, they needed all this support and it was hugely welcome and very necessary. But now she works full time and she can pay her own way, doesn't get social protection uh, but did try to look for accommodation in her region where her children go to school and she said she, she could never afford mm-hmm. it. So the real life impacts of these are huge and, and people are willing to, to contribute mm-hmm. but Irish people have huge difficulties accessing accommodation that but that's going to be even harder for people who, who don't navigate the system. And actually speaking of accommodation, mm-hmm. the sense of uh, the political contest that's going on around the, the issue of housing mm-hmm. and exchange of letters this week. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, indeed. So so uh, Dara O'Brien and his old uh, 
nemesis, is that fair to say? Oh, no, Bryn, there were letters exchanged about how uh, Darrell O'Brien, the housing minister, wanted some clarity in terms of what um, Sinn Féin would do in terms of the help to buy scheme and various other schemes because Sinn Féin have... have well, he's saying their budget, budget proposals basically are exactly. taking away supports that he exactly. believes are helping that people, in the, 40, odd people yeah. in the housing market. But look, this is very much Ardesh season and we had um, the Greens last week, we have Fianna Fáil this weekend, this coming weekend, and then we have Sinn Féin. So these barbs are going to be tossed back and forth um, and it is very much the spotlight will be on Fianna Fáil this weekend. Darrell Bryan will want to say that housing is very much their party's priority. Um, uh, Sinn Féin, of course, say that their their proposals are far better than, than the government who has been in place and the the incumbent parties. So it, it'll be interesting to see how that goes and, and if the, if there will be any new proposals unveiled at, at, the, at the Ardesh this weekend. So Fianna Fáil uh, going into this mm. Ardesh um, and again we've just had, you know, for the first time since Brian Lenehan, a Fianna Fáil minister, deliver a budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Thánaiste is busy and active on the world stage. Some speculation about his future but we'll come to that in a moment. So the state of the party but with Sinn Féin so ascendant in the fo- mm. in the polls. Mm. How are Fianna Fáil feeling about themselves going into this weekend? Well, look, I think ask any politician who's down in the polls, they say don't trust the polls. Uh, and that's fair enough. I mean, look, there is there is a question mark raised over face-to-face polling versus internet polling. But the last poll by Red Sea in the Sunday Business Post did have Fianna Fáil on around 15%, which is, is painful mm-hmm. when compared to, I think, 35% was it for Sinn Féin. So, I mean, they're vastly different numbers. That said, um, I was speaking to a number of, of politicians and they are feeling uh, enthusiastic. There are local and European elections next year uh, and they're in good shape. I was speaking to Jack Chambers, who's the director of elections for the local elections. He says they've got 212 uh, candidates officially declared as of last month. He expects to have 300 candidates for the locals by the end of this month. He says they've never been in, in, in as good shape eight months out. In terms of the European elections, uh, the process is a little bit more... Well, it's it's much it's a, it's a bigger stage, but there are far fewer candidates, mm-hmm. um, and so while we know that, uh, I think we believe I was talking to Tommy about this that all incumbent MEPs are going to run again, but a few people have thrown their hat in the ring, and a few people are remaining a bit more coy. Okay. Um, so things are in good shape on those, and and people are excited about those elections and to see where they will lead us in terms of a general election. But there there's also excitement, renewed excitement, I would say, around Michal Martin. So they're, they're kind role. of happy. <clears throat> I mean, being a government makes them feel better maybe yeah. then yeah it's it's about for, for yeah, quite a long time. Yeah and I think that the, the difficulties the around ahead. the leadership uh, seem to have abated according to some people I've spoken to that the party is very much behind Micheál Martin and he will lead the party into the next general election. Quite a contrast with all those long dark years in, in, in opposition yeah. and all the grumbling yeah. that was going on uh, in in the back benches. Um, just in terms of the European elections Tommy you've been uh, you were in the European Parliament recently Um what was the vibe there? Because there's a lot of talk about a potential swing to the right in those European elections across Europe. What are people saying? What's the prospects? I think uh, across Europe, you are in general seeing that uh, tilt uh, more towards the right. Uh, in Ireland, I don't know if they're as worried about that. You're going to have bits of us here and there. Uh, but in terms of, of candidates running, I don't see you. I don't think you see those candidates representing those 
more far right values mm. than you do in perhaps more Eastern countries. Uh, interestingly, though, this week uh, we are seeing the, the ECR group, which is a, a grouping in the European Parliament, which would be seen to be more to the right the, than, for example, the main group, which is, which is the EPP. They're holding a conference here in uh, in Ireland, um, and PBP people before profit uh, are holding a protest outside of that. Uh, ECR doesn't have a, any Irish candidates, but it's just interesting that they're here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're trying to court a few ahead of those uh, European elections coming up in June. Um, if they were, I think the feeling is that maybe they're trying to target independence because, as I say, there, there's not a party here in Ireland that I think would, would suit that right-wing agenda yeah. uh, at this present time. And um, we had a delegation, didn't we, from, from the European Parliament over here. Tell us more about that. A lot of MEPs in evidence there, I believe. Yes, yes. Yeah, from Midlands Northwest constituency. Uh, the delegation that came here were part of the European Parliament's petition committee. So similar to the way you'd have an Oireachtas committee here, the Parliament in Europe also has one. And the reason they came here is because people in the Northwest, homeowners affected by MICA, um, wrote to them expressing concerns, various concerns in relation to the redress scheme uh, and other issues around surveillance and making sure a defective block problem like this doesn't arise again. So the petitions committee on the f- on foot of that decided to come to Ireland to investigate. Because they're investigating Ireland, MEPs from Ireland are not allowed to take part in mm-hmm. that. They won't they won't take part in what will be a final report on the matter. Nevertheless, all four Midlands Northwest MEPs tagged along. Anyway, uh, there was a press conference yesterday uh, and they were there um, expressing their own concerns around the redress scheme uh, and so on. But I think uh, an indication that, yes, a, a European election is on the way. Of course, that's a constituency that might actually get an extra seat. There's lots of speculation around that. Oh, of course, as, well, as part of the constituency boundary changes because of the growth in population. Yes, yeah. So that's currently with the Electoral Commission. So we'll have to wait and see what the outcome is there. But there would be an expectation that uh, Midlands and Northwest will be seen as most likely to benefit. But of course, we'll have to wait and see. Oh, yes, we're going to have plenty to talk about in the year ahead. I'm looking forward to it all already. And then, who knows, speculation about a general. But that would be jumping the gun. So we won't go there today. Juliet and Tommy, uh, thank you so much. Thanks for uh, joining us uh, again this Thursday. Slightly shorter than usual. A very quiet uh, week here in Leinster House overall, as we were saying. But I'm sure there'll be lots more to talk about when we're back with you next week. Until then, thanks for joining us.